Hi, welcome to Hope and Possibilities. We need we need hope, and certainly we need possibilities that come when there's a plan. Today we're talking about how do I know if I'm emotionally healthy here on Hope and Possibilities. Dr. Gregory Jans is a best-selling author of over 45 books and the founder of the Center A Place of Hope, voted a top 10 center for depression treatment in the U.S. As the pioneer of whole person care, Dr. Jantz is known as the messenger of hope. Now the nation's expert on anxiety, depression, substance abuse, relationships, trauma, and PTSD, here is Dr. Gregory Jantz. Hi, it's Dr. Greg Jantz. 38 years ago, we founded a place called The Center, a place of hope. And hope comes, of course, when we have a sense that there's some optimism for our future. Hope comes when we have a sense of knowing that, yes, indeed, there's not only hope for my future, but I have value. I matter. Three basic human needs I want to share today as we look into, well, how do I know if I'm emotionally healthy? Which is kind of an interesting question because as we look at, okay, growing up, think about it kindergarten, elementary school. Did you have ever have, a, or junior high even, um, a model for what's emotionally healthy? Did you have a model for what really represented a healthy, emotional human being? Oh, you might have thought of somebody uh, maybe that had physical uh, limitations or uh, medical or health issues, but because that'll get our attention. But how about, who's that person right now Oh man, they made a huge impact and imprint in my life. They were representative, now I look at it, of an emotionally healthy person. We're going to talk about those key ingredients, but first of all, we need to know, by the way, most of the time we can't think of anybody, it, or it takes a while to think of somebody. There are three basic human needs. This comes out of research, uh, researchers, um, I'm, I'm going to simplify it, out of the University of Washington, some years ago, by the way, and they came up with... Um, and I'm, I've got some great notes here on this, but they came up with the most critical human needs. It looks like this. And the most critical human needs were those things that um, we need. In fact, the researcher said these needs, and I'll tell you what they are here in just a minute. These needs could be met or must be met in childhood, or they become compulsive by ages of 13, 14 for most human beings. They remain major issues throughout adulthood. Here's the three critical human needs. In order to find purpose, meaning, significance, relevance, we need to perceive ourselves as, number one, being understood. A, a, a sense of being understood. That means listened to, not just heard. I feel a sense of understanding. Somebody understands me. That connection of being understood. Really, how powerful is that? Because think about somebody that you could even talk to as a kid or maybe even now, and, and you somebody that you feel, man, just understood. And we say things like, they understand me. That's powerful. Number two, accept it. Um, which the researchers define it this way. Taken seriously for what they feel and perceive as a person. Interesting. We have, we have a sense of if I'm accepted, I feel I'm taken seriously. I feel loved. And then finally is affirmed. And affirmed of the three critical human needs, understood, accepted, affirmed, um, is genuinely, uh, we need to have a sense I have value and that I am contributing 
in life and in the life of other other individuals. So here they are, the three critical human needs. How about that? As we look at this and we go, okay, how do I know if I'm emotionally healthy? Well, growing up, how well did I have these three critical human needs? How well were they met? Now, you may not have called them these uh, by these titles, but were they met in your life? Were they um, a sense of, I have a sense of value and completion uh, growing up. I know that I'm okay. Things can happen in the world, but I know because my family imprinted within me that I'm, I have value. I'm accepted. I'm affirmed. How about that? So important. All right. Well, here's some traits of the emotionally healthy. And our time always goes so fast. So I'm going to go fast because um, it's important that we get this, but we want to do it in a way that this information really moves right along. So number one is people who report being emotionally healthy have a sense of gratitude. They live, number one, with daily gratitude. And there has been a lot of research on generosity. Generosity. Think about that. Somebody is paid to do studies on generosity. Now, generosity is different than gratitude, but people who have gratitude score high in generosity. They're generous with their time. They're generous with their resources. And we know that this is an important piece of our emotional well-being. So gratitude, starting the day with gratitude, seeing um, the, when we begin to, well, a gratitude journal, and we're beginning to identify every day and have that frame of reference. I'm not putting my attention on everything that's wrong because there's plenty of things wrong, but I'm going to put my attention on those things today that I can be grateful for. My wife literally, as of this recording right now, uh, has now it's up. Last time I asked, it was 22,000 something gratitudes, but she says, I just hit the 25,000 mark of gratitude. She's been logging daily gratitudes, two, three, four a day for nine years. And she did tell me because she came through a health crisis that this was part of what saved my life. She said, I think this was a part of what um, gave me life was focusing on gratitude. All right. Gratitude. One of the healthy uh, traits of a per person who's healthy. All right. Number two is a forgiving spirit. Uh, I say forgiving spirit. We have a choice to make in our life. And every day we can carry around unforgiveness, bitterness, resentments. We can carry that. Um, you probably notice when you're in a room with somebody, it's full of resentments and bitterness. It just radiates from them. It just, mm, you feel it, right? You feel an unhappy person. And resentments, bitterness, take a stronghold in a person's life. And that stronghold uh, affects their toxic emotionally. I, I know that they've suffered from more physical complications and physical health issues and poor sleep and anxiety and depression, as well as it's hard to have a close or intimate relationship with somebody that's full of resentments, full of bitterness. All right. How do you know if there's hidden anger in the heart? Because unforgiveness, we trace that back. There's usually hurt. And hurt's coming out in the form of anger. So here we go. Here's four things to look at. Is there a disagreeable attitude? Are you with a person? Of course, it's not us. But are you with a person that has a disagreeable attitude? No matter what, they're just always disagreeable. Number two, they're constantly negative. Ooh, you know the person. Uh, number three, hostile humor. Uh, could be sarcasm. Could be saying things that 
really aren't funny, but they're disguising it in humor. Uh, there is the bitterness and resentment, number four. And then here's a key one. Uh, a person that does a lot of blaming. They have a spirit of blame. They take no self-responsibility, uh, but they're blaming everybody and everything. And you just feel it. There's a spirit of blame. That's their orientation. Never to take self-responsibility, but to blame, 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 blame everybody. That's that's what they do. So this is a. These are indicators. Four indicators of potentially hidden anger in the heart that is now coming out in an unforgiving spirit. Now, forgiveness. There's a. We can. We'll probably do a whole podcast just on forgiveness because that's a big one. But when we look at forgiveness, what I'm going to say right now is it releases us from the power that the other person has in our life. Is it a one-time event? It starts with a one-time event. It starts with, I'm no longer going to carry this. I forgive. Sometimes it's self-forgiveness, which I think at times can be more difficult. Now, forgiveness in no way justifies what was done to you. Forgiveness absolutely in no way means you have to be in relationship with a person that's abusive or harmful. But what it's saying is, I release the power. I release the power that this has in my life. And I will no longer be controlled by them or the situation. All right. There is so much. Uh, I remember years ago that we can say unforgiveness, and we will eventually. I do remember years and years ago. Uh, a person came in, and she didn't realize she had such a storehouse of anger and forgiveness. But what she said, uh, she kept just blaming in this case, she was blaming her spouse, her husband for every, I mean, you could just feel it coming from her. Now, he might have been guilty of all this, of doing all these things, but she was so fiercely full of unforgiveness and anger that that's really what all that came out of her mouth. Now, I have to tell you what I did was, you know, it was hard to get a few words in, but I said, hey, I want, when you go home, get out some notes and just make a list. We'll go over it next time we're together, but a list of all the things that you feel uh, you have been hurt or offended by. Oh boy, did I, I didn't know it at the time, but she created a legal pad, a legal pad, paper like this, full, I think I will forever remember it. It was like 23 pages of complaints of things that her husband had done, of why she's unhappy with him, etc. 23 pages. She brought it in and, oh yeah, she went over it all. And then I began to realize, you know, she's not going to grow. Nothing's going to happen for her until she comes to a place of forgiveness. Her point of focus is all her injury, all her hurt. And so one of the things that she did was this. Well, it took a while. <laughs> I, it was probably three months of, of some sessions, but uh, what we came to, she came to a place of realizing I have to set myself free of this. Well, I did call and ask the spouse, the husband, hey, can you come in and join us for a session? The first time I asked him, he goes, oh, no, 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 no way I'm coming in. <laughs> he refused. Maybe he had an idea that he was going to be blasted. It took a little more time, but eventually he did say, yeah, I'll come in. He came in and, and we had this planned because her goal was to tell, tell him, I forgive you. And she did reach for a, her purse and pulled out this legal pad of all these pages. 
pulled it out and said, and oh, by the way, his eyes got really big and he's going, why did I say yes to coming here? What is going on? You could tell he was ready to leave the room. And she said, she kind of sighed. She said, sweetheart. And I don't know if you heard that in a long time. I just want to let you know that I forgive you and all these things that I've carried against you. I am sorry. And she starts to tear up the pages in the legal pad and began to set him free. I remember that day well, because it seemed like the air in the room changed. Was this all instant? Was it, oh, happy marriage instantly? No, it wasn't. But it paved the way that we could work on some issues and create what I believe they both would say today, a great marriage. I happen to know they're still married, so that's been a while, but it was powerful. And forgiveness is one of the key ingredients to a emotionally healthy person. All right, let's do, we got two more to do today. And uh, one of them is you've got to be free of compulsive behavior, which means addiction. We know that when we have addictions, and so many of these addictions, whether it be food, internet, digital, uh, sexual addiction, whatever form, pornography, alcohol, prescription drug use, cannabis, TV, um, gaming, whatever form of addiction that we're talking about, whatever form, is it's self-destructive, it has an effect on our physical health, has an effect on our sleep, has an effect on every relationship. When we're compelled or compulsed to engage in a behavior that ends up controlling us, we're not in control. And one of the first things we always say when we're struggling is we deny it's a problem. We say, well, I can stop anytime. But we go back to it over and over and over. We go back to it. That's an addiction. And uh, one of the books I wrote, I think, uh, is Healing the Scars of Addiction, because addictions create scars. And one of the scars is it devalues our sense of self. It affects all of our relationships, it can affect our physical well-being. And so an emotion, emotionally healthy person lives a life free of compulsions and addictions. And we know that, and you, you've, we see this, don't we, that addictions distort emotions. 40 plus percent, it's estimated, of those that take their life by suicide are doing so um, and they've had an addiction and they're under chemical influence. Isn't that interesting? I also think of addiction that creating a spiritual bankruptcy. What does that look like? A spiritual bankruptcy is it just depletes who we are and our hope for the future. Addictions, we become more intimate with the addiction. I remember a, a lady who told me, she says, Dr. Jantz, I, I'm better at being intimate with food than I am with my husband. She was talking about emotional closeness. It's easier to be close to food than it is another person. So being free from addictions. Um, and what we know is as we're free from addictions, um, it allows us to properly process emotions. When we're addicted, we're either anxious, we're angry, we're depressed, and the filter that addictions, every, all of our processing of life and emotions goes through the filter of addiction. Addictions distort reality. 
All right, final one I want to mention in our time together today is a healthy person has the capacity to give and receive. They have a capacity to love and care for others, and they do so without relationship regret. What does that look like? Um, I have the capacity to love. Go back to those three basic human needs, those critical human needs. And one of them is to, uh, is to be affirmed and accepted and understood. Okay, so if I have the capacity to love, it's because I have a sense of I'm affirmed, I have value, I have value as a human being, and I am able then to have a sense of of care, of compassion, of empathy for others. Sometimes, maybe you're with somebody, maybe they suffer from anxiety or anxiety disorder, depression, and maybe you find yourself becoming frustrated with them. It's like, ah, ah, come on, can I just face that anxiety and get on with it? Come on, right? And yet, there's another vantage point. It's the vantage point that they're suffering. Because if they could get over the anxiety, they would. They're suffering. And so put it in perspective and your love and care for a person who's suffering could be a part of the change for their life. Okay. Um, I know that we need each other. We need each other more than ever before. And we need healthy relationships when we have healthy relationships, because we are uh, living in a state of emotional well-being. There is no, by the way, perfect emotionally well person. We're all working on these things gratitude the capacity to to love which means i've got i'm not self-absorbed with everything of my own issues i had the ability to serve and have compassion for others the difference it can make the difference it can make in the next 30 days the difference it can make in our life as we go about looking beyond ourselves and the the big word is serve if i serve it's because I have enough capacity for self-care, self-compassion, self-love that I'm able to share some of that with others. And in doing so, I'm growing even more emotionally healthy. These are things that I've worked on, and there's a few more. We'll talk again about some of the others. But embrace these today. Remember those four or three critical human needs. How well am I giving these to others is the question. And my family members... How well am I helping them feel understood? How well am I feeling, helping them feel accepted and loved and affirmed that they know that they have value? I recently told a family member, I said, I said, look, hey, I do want you to look in my eyes, you know, but I want you to know I will never, ever, 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 ever give up on you. I love you. That's the message. Let's be emotionally healthy. Let's all keep working on these things together. There's hope and there's great possibilities for us and for those that we love.